This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 18th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. It's difficult to take a lot of what Donald Trump says very seriously, given his propensity to offer up regularly contradictory statements. But when he attempts a serious policy speech, it's worth examining his words carefully. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. We spoke today. Donald Trump gave a speech earlier in the week in Youngstown, Ohio, with his plans for counterterrorism. And uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's sort of challenging to deal with in the sense that one has to clear away the underbrush of factual errors, of which I, in his speech, counted seven to nine, depending on how you categorize things uh, about NATO's counterterrorism, about the number of Middle Eastern immigrants, about the intelligence scandal with Central Command, about the rate of ISIS attacks, about how many countries ISIS is operational in, uh, about honor killings. uh, But I think most importantly of the factual errors, uh, Trump implied that he was against the war in Libya which he wasn't. He was adamantly for it. Uh, He also said uh, that he was uh, against the war in Iraq from the beginning, which is just blatantly false, as many reporters have written and demonstrated. And he gave quotes, Trump did, to indicate that he was uh, against the war in Iraq from the beginning. And uh, the quotes don't indicate that, really. Uh, So that's the factual part. And then there's uh, the substance and uh, the uh, substance in this case uh, of his counterterrorism policy, aside from his plan to get tough on uh, Muslim immigrants by having some sort of ideological vetting, uh, aside from that, it it really is no different uh, in any major way from what we're doing right now uh, as our counterterrorism policy. So it's a muscular restatement of current policy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a long uh, and blatantly contradictory criticism of the Obama administration and uh, Hillary Clinton's position, and and certainly they and particularly her deserve a fair amount of criticism. But it doesn't work well coming from Trump when he's contradicting himself uh, within paragraphs. Uh, and uh, and then uh, he gets to the substance and he says well, we need to step up drone attacks, but capture more people. We need to work with NATO and Russia. We need to do uh, aggressive cyber uh, attacks on terrorists and uh, cut off their financial sources. We should have a summit with other countries to plan global counterterrorism. We should have a blue ribbon commission to figure out how to deal with radical Islam here in America. We should keep Gitmo open. Uh, and uh, we should prosecute people aggressively who materially support terrorism. Those are all things uh, that we're doing. I mean, perhaps we could be more adamant about our desire to cooperate with the Russians uh, and trade more to do that in a sense. But uh, there's really not a lot of uh, hardly anything there is new. He didn't say in this particular speech, Trump, that he was uh, going to torture people more, uh, but he maintains uh, that uh, we ought to torture people more. In uh, dealing with terrorism as a threat and uh, groups that are uh, committed to some sort of uh, overarching uh, goal or global goal, uh, how different is what he's saying substantively from Hillary Clinton or previous Republican uh, nominees? Uh, 
I think that as a substantive uh, set of policies, uh, his proposals are quite similar to what Hillary Clinton as a sort of advocate of the status quo with a little more toughness. That's how I would characterize what Hillary Clinton wants to do, uh, a little more aggressive in Syria, but more or less the same policy. I think that's not different in any large way from what Trump wants to do, again, if we accept uh, immigration from that, uh, which isn't normally thought of as part of the global counterterrorism policy. Uh, Trump is different than uh, previous Republican nominees, certainly than the former President uh, Bush, uh, in his opposition to nation building, which he mentioned a lot in this speech and which he talks about frequently. However, uh, he in the same speech uh, the other day while criticizing nation building and, and bragging falsely that he opposed the war in Iraq, said, well, the real problem uh, that the Obama administration, of the Obama administration there in Iraq was that they pulled out forces too quickly and, and sort of didn't fully commit to uh, what we had achieved in Iraq. And uh, that means that he's basically saying we didn't do nation building well enough. Also, Trump said in the same speech, well, they should have listened to me. I said we should have just taken all of Iraq's oil, and then ISIS wouldn't have had it. So that would have solved that problem. Number one, ISIS uh, gets its oil revenue from Syria, not Iraq. But more importantly, you can't really plunder the oil if you're against the war. And if you are using military force to hold on to Iraq's oil, you're almost certainly doing some nation building around it. So uh, it's sort of... the the contradictions are so stark that it's hard to evaluate the policy. But the the fact of the matter is that in American foreign policy now, there's been a move against occupational warfare and nation building. So in in that sense, Trump's reflecting the political reality in in terms of what he says uh, is going to be his policy. In terms of the departure date from Iraq, um, it's it's been interesting to watch Republicans sort of shift on this since President Bush left office. And the uh, original plan, I believe, was to leave Iraq when? When Bush left office, what was the plan for the U.S. to be entirely out of Iraq? Well, the the Bush administration was negotiating uh, with the Iraqis on what sort of residual presence we would have. Uh, I'm not sure it was totally settled what the Bush administration planned on that, but uh, essentially the Obama administration continued the policies of the Bush administration. They continued the withdrawal from Iraq that the Bush administration planned, and they continued negotiating a status of forces agreement that would be the basis for keeping forces there, uh, and they didn't reach one. So uh, one could argue that they could have done better in negotiating that and then kept uh, more forces more easily. But uh, essentially, they continued the Bush administration's policy. And if you want to blame someone for the rise of ISIS in Iraq, uh, you really have to start with the Bush administration because it was the war that ripped off the government uh, of Iraq, uh, ripped the head off the government of Iraq, that is, and created a Sunni insurgency, which ISIS grew out of. And uh, while I think it's reasonable in Libya and Syria to criticize the Obama administration for having, uh, for its enthusiasm for regime change, which helped particularly in Libya create chaos conducive to bad things, including the rise of an ISIS affiliate there. I don't think it's reasonable to blame the Obama administration for the rise of ISIS uh, in Syria and probably not in Libya either in the sense that in Syria, they were there 
ISIS was there before the Obama administration did anything. The Syrian civil war cannot be reasonably blamed on the Obama administration. They, you know, as part of the Arab Spring, uh, and in Libya, it's likely that the uh, revolution there might have, uh, absent U.S. intervention, might have produced enough chaos for ISIS to. Uh, gain some sort of foothold even without U.S. intervention. So uh, it's sort of silly, I think, for Trump to blame the Obama administration for the rise of of ISIS in the Middle East, as he so adamantly tries to do. What about just the, the general bluster? I realize this is a substantive speech that he's trying to deliver, but what about the general bluster about how he would like to engage with these opponents around the world for a long time? Uh, People here at the Cato Institute, I think yourself included, have talked about sort of lowering the temperature on dealing with uh, these kinds of uh, terrorist threats and to essentially stop elevating them. And it seems that while Hillary Clinton's elevated them, it seems like Trump has really tried to made, make them out to be a, a, a haunting specter that uh, the likes of which we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, Trump's speech began with a litany of list, really, of all the terrorist attacks that have occurred of late, or a lot of them, and uh, the idea is to sort of frighten us into thinking we're under uh, growing assault, growing danger from ISIS and al-Qaeda. Uh, when the, I don't think the facts bear that out in terms of the number of attacks, certainly in the United States, as terrible as the Orlando attack was, which wasn't organized by ISIS in Syria, was inspired by it, arguably. Uh, but uh, ISIS's problems in Syria and Iraq, it's, it's losing territory, I think, are, re are reason for some optimism. And Trump certainly isn't interested in uh, mentioning that uh, they've been suffering territorial reversals. And as a result of that, I think losing uh, recruits in a big way. So, uh, you know, you're not going to hear anything mildly reassuring about terrorism from Trump, which means he has to ignore a lot of statistics and facts. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.